Toff, would you say you and Aang have a rocky relationship? Okay, so here's what I think went down in the creation of season one of Avatar, because this is a mess. It's a mess? It's a mess. Listen, so okay. I think Brian and Michael, right? Boys. Yeah, the boys. The show got picked up. Great. Let's see what you got. What season one? They write out season one. They bring it to... They have the storyboard. They they bring it to Nickelodeon. Nick, right? <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick Olodian. Yes. And they're like, Mr. Lodian. No, Mr. Olodian. Mr. Olodian. Here's what, here's what season one's going to look like. We have this episode about this guy named Jet. Super dark, right? Yeah. Then we're going to do a backstory about Aang and how all of his dead family members how made him sad and then he left and got into an iceberg right super okay. sad then we're gonna do a, an episode about child abuse in zuko's backstory right super sad mm. then we're gonna do an episode of, called the blue spirit where Z it's also super sad <laughs> and then i think nick nickelodeon nickelodeon yeah was like listen guys you gotta have a little breath in the middle of all these heavy <laughs> <A> episodes <laughs> And I think that's how we got the Great Divide. <laughs> well, I think it was really great at dividing the really, you know, heavy episodes. Yeah, I think originally, like, they had um, two episodes mapped out for, like, these backstories we get in this episode. Yeah. But they had to, like, so make something lighter. <laughs> you're telling me that Mr. Elodian is the, they were the idea of the Great Divide. Like, they... It was their fault. It probably happened. Mr. Elodian is the reason uh, we had to suffer through the Great Divide. Yes. I can definitely see that because there's probably a quota. I'm, I'm at, Now I'm not even joking. I'm actually like thinking. Honestly, about, it makes sense because yeah. if you think about that episode and where it's placed, it's placed right in the yeah. middle of like some <laughs> seriously dark episodes. Like true. Jet is very dark and then the storm is it's, very I dark. Mean, yeah, they probably, what, how many episodes are in the season 22 or 24? Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. But that's a pretty standard number in, like, yeah. television. So, yeah, they had to, like, fill up a season of 20-some-odd episodes. And you had to put some light episodes in between. Yeah, because it's and a kid's show. as this season goes, obviously, it's going to get heavier and heavier. So. Yeah. Welcome to Rocky Relationship and Avatar The Last Airbender Podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Erin. And today we're covering chapter, what chapter is this? Did I not write it down? No, you didn't. This is? You, you did, sorry, you did, you did. Chapter 12, yeah. The Storm. The Storm. The Storm. Hey, that's my thing. Well, you didn't sing it. The Storm. Ah. That was bad. No, it was good. This episode's dark. It it's is... not dark, it's just like heavy. I mean, we've said that about a lot of episodes, but yeah, <laughs> it is a heavy episode. But you can say it's dark because there is a storm. <laughs> like it does get like shaded darker. It reminds me of a summer's day in Florida. <laughs> yeah, at two o'clock, yeah. two p.m. Um, yeah, no, I it's uh, it deals with a lot of stuff. It, it, <laughs> wow, what a what a profound statement, Aaron. No. Um, you should be a podcaster. <laughs> it's almost like I am. I am a podcaster. Thank you very much, Danielle. No, um, the episode really gives us a lot of information. It's entirely backstory. Mm -hmm. It's not, there's no real like plot in the present. They don't really go anywhere right. other than, you know, finally we, fig we find out what happened, 
why Aang is stuck in an iceberg, why he got there in the first place, mm-hmm. um, how he learned to be, how he learned how he became the Avatar, mm-hmm. and also with Zuko, I mean, well, how he learned he got his scar. Yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge reveal. revelation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, listen, I feel like there's a trend with my favorite episodes. My favorite episodes are always the ones with Zuko. So. <laughs> You know that this is one of my favorite episodes because we get a lot of Zuko. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, obviously this is a big pivotal moment for Zuko's character and him starting to be more of an anti-hero, you know, in the series instead of just like a villain. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say anti-hero. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, um Maybe like like a flawed hero. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we're we're we've already started to kind of like him because we've 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 seen some goofy moments between him and, and Iroh and yeah like you know they're not they're not an easily he's, hated. He's also shown some amount of I would I would say redeemable mercy. qualities. Well, yeah, but I was I'm talking about like mercy kind of towards the gang, right? Where maybe he'll. Instead of he'll he'll see Appa or something in the air in one episode randomly, and he decided to like not, you know, pursue it. Yeah, he's already shown that he has redeemable qualities, and that there's more to him than meets the eye, and that yeah. he's not just the bad guy. Like you know, we've yeah, seen definitely. badder guys he's, so he far. Is more three dimensional than. But this is the episode that really shows that because it yeah. shows us his backstory and his you know his his origin story. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is the origin story episode. It, it is. It quite literally is. And which um, is, I think you always need one, in, especially in a kid's show, you know, to set yeah. a lot of like to describe really who the character is. Yeah, because I mean, the whole point, like, <laughs> when when you're writing a show like this, you want to plop him right in the middle. You know, get him in the action. Mm-hmm. You know, there still has to be a beginning. You still have to introduce the world, but you still also want to hook your audience and get their attention and then later be like how did we get to this point right what happened yeah to to get us here so this is a super important episode to just explain Mm -hmm. the motivations essentially of two main characters and i think it's it's a really good ang episode because even though he's very vulnerable in it in past episodes when we've seen him reject we're analyzing (laughs) yeah this is like the discussion (laughs) We should. Uh, we should we, probably do the plot. Yeah, do first. the plot summary if you don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Let's, let's do that now. <laughs> Please, Father. I only have the Fire Nation's best interest at heart. I'm sorry I spoke out of turn. You will fight for your honor. I meant you no disrespect. I am your loyal son. Rise and fight, Prince Zuko. I won't fight you. You will learn respect, and suffering will be your teacher. I looked away. Chapter 12, The Storm. The episode opens with Aang and Appa flying through the sky along with Sokka gliding on Aang's air glider and Katara flying on a giant Momo. Aang sees they're headed for an ominous storm and Monk Gyatso suddenly appears in front of Aang, asking why he disappeared. As Aang is focused on his mentor, he heads straight into the storm, causing him and Appa to be flung into the water below. Aang then wakes up suddenly, which causes Katara and Sokka to wake up as well. Aang tells them he had a really bad dream, and Katara says she's noticed he's been having more bad dreams lately. 
When they pack up to leave in the morning, the gang decides to head out to a local market to get some food since they've run out. At the market, the gang is struggling to buy food since they don't have any money. They notice two nearby townspeople arguing over whether or not they should go out fishing when one of them senses a storm is coming. The fisherman that wants to fish says he will go without her and will find a replacement. Desperate for money, Sokka volunteers so they can make some quick cash. Meanwhile, Zuko and Iroh are sailing when Iroh notes that a storm is coming and suggests to change the course for the crew's safety. Zuko objects, noting that the weather is perfect, and anyways, finding the Avatar is more important than his crew's safety. Later on, the storm is in clear view, and the crew play the I told you so game with Zuko. A crewmate and Zuko begin to argue about the prince's lack of respect for any of his crewmates. The two begin to fight, and Iroh breaks them up quickly. Back to the gang, Aang notices the storm is coming as well, and advises Sokka to not go because it's too dangerous. The fisherman notices Aang's tattoos and realizes that Aang is the Avatar and antagonizes him for disappearing and turning his, quote, back on the world. This causes Aang to fly away out of disappointment while Katara tries to defend her friend. She then takes off after Aang with the help of Appa. Katara finds Aang in a nearby cave and she urges him to tell her about his bad dreams recently. Aang talks about his time at the Air Temple on the day he found out he was the Avatar. The monks pulled Aang out of playing with his friends to break the news, and word traveled fast, and all of his friends treated him completely different than before. The only person Aang spends his time with now is Monk Gyatso. While they are playing a game of Paishou, another monk comes in, requesting Aang to continue his training for the day. Monk Gyatso says that since he's Aang's guardian, then he will decide when Aang has trained, and he's already trained for the day. The angered monk complains to the Air Nomad Elder that Monk Yatso is spending too much time playing with Aang and not training him. The Elder orders for the separation of Gyatso and Aang and decides to take him to the Eastern Air Temple for training. Aang overhears this and that same night he leaves with Appa, leaving a note behind for Monk Yatso. Aang tells Katara the last thing he remembered before coming out of the iceberg was being flung into the water by a bad storm. Katara consoles Aang by reminding him that he still gives people hope, and that if he hadn't left, he would have been killed by the Fire Nation, so it was meant to be. The episode cuts to the crew of the Fire Nation soldiers complaining about Prince Zuko. Iroh overhears their complaints and proceeds to explain Zuko's past to give them perspective. A flashback is shown of Iroh allowing a young Zuko to sit in on the Fire Nation War Chamber meeting. Iroh urges his nephew not to speak without permission so he doesn't anger anyone. In the meeting, the generals are discussing using Fire Nation soldiers as bait in order to capture an Earth Kingdom city. Zuko immediately protests the suggestion, which then angers his father, Fire Lord Ozai. He said the only way to resolve this display of disrespect is through an Agni Kai. Zuko was under the impression he was going to fight the general he spoke out against, but instead he was fighting his father because he disrespected the rules of the Fire Lord's war room. Zuko attempts to plead with his father in front of everyone to not fight him, as he was only acting in the best interest of his people. Ozai demands Zuko to rise and fight as, quote, respect will be his teacher, but Zuko doesn't have it in him. The Fire Lord then strikes at Zuko, causing Iroh to look away as others watch gleefully, and it's revealed to the crewmates that this is how Zuko got his scar. The crew had originally thought the scar was from a training accident, but Iroh states otherwise. He also tells them that since he did not fight, 
He showed weakness and was punished by banishment. The only thing that would lift his banishment and restore his honor is by finding the Avatar. Suddenly, they are interrupted by the chaos of the storm on their ship. As they're trying to manage the destruction on their ship, we see lightning redirection for the first time as Iroh is able to save the ship from a lightning bolt. Meanwhile, Katara and Aang are interrupted by the fisherman's wife asking them for help in locating her husband and Sokka. The two set off with Appa in the storm, and they were able to save Sokka and the fishermen until suddenly a giant wave crashes onto the party. Reminiscent of the last time Aang was swallowed by the ocean, Aang goes into the Avatar state and creates a ball of air, allowing them all to fly out safely on Appa. This occurs next to Zuko's ship, while they are taking refuge in the eye of the storm, causing a wearied Zuko to watch the Avatar fly away. The gang delivers the fisherman back to his wife, who demands her husband to apologize to Aang for being rude. He decides to call it even by giving him a free fish, and he also gives Sokka a fish for payment. Aang then tells Katara that he's done dwelling on the past and wants to move on from his trauma. As this happens, the fisherman gives a real apology, and the storm finally lets up and the sun begins to shine. And Appa shakes his wet fur onto all of them, and yeah. they all laugh. Ah, come <laughs> on. Um, yeah, didn't end with them flying out into the sunset. Nope, they were watching the sunset, enjoying the moment. Yeah, the perfect, like, concise uh, origin story, you know? Yeah, and you can tell that um, they did, like, probably write out these two episodes as, like, separate yeah, kind possibly. of episodes. Mm-hmm. Maybe they um, had, like... Aang doing a thing while they told Zuko's backstory, and then Zuko doing a different thing in the present while they told Aang's backstory one episode. Maybe they split. It could have been that way, but to put both of them in the same episode really does drive the point home that like these two characters, while they are enemies right now, they do have a lot of similarities. There's a lot of parallels between them, and they're more, yeah, like you said, they're more similar than they think. Um, Which brings us to like our theme of the week, uh, we were trying to see the the commonality between yeah, their we, backstories. Right, yeah. We decided that shame would mm-hmm. be um, the, the best theme to tie both Zuko and Aang's kind of um, feelings about mm-hmm. their situation. Right. We've seen um, Aang's guilt before about how he disappeared. Yeah. But this episode really drives his how ashamed he is of himself for Mm. leaving the world in this state for a hundred years, leaving all of his friends and loved ones behind, Uh, you know, and that's driven by his interaction with the fisherman. You know, this is, this (laughs) is a guy that's not like, you know, fangirling over the avatar. He's like the first person to really criticize him. Right. And rub it in his face that, you know, he left everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was, um, a, you know, after all, he's been having these dreams already because, you know, that guilt has been kind of stirring in him. Uh, that was a really, like, bad moment for him. Yeah. And um, I, I want to touch on it just because it's literally the name of the episode. But this whole time, there's a storm brewing. Mm-hmm. And so that is a very clear representation of um, this, po- you know, this anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. just um, clouding over um ang mm-hmm. and zuko at to an extent it what zuko is a little interesting because he's already had probably this cloud over him oh, whereas yeah. with ang it's more creeping up 
And that's where the storm kind of representation comes from, I think. And the fact that it parallels the most shameful day of his life. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. You know? So that's obviously going to trigger some feelings. Yeah. And like Zuko, he his conflict in the present is driven by him being, you know, oh, there is no storm. It doesn't matter. He's like deflecting. Right? Yeah. Well, Zuko has always worn shame on his face. Right. Everywhere he goes. Literally. His scar yeah. is the epit like his scar is literally the imagery of shame. Yeah. It's reminiscent of the hardest experience of his life being banished from his home. Yeah. By his dad by his father. Right. And so we actually see those events that led to mm-hmm. that infamous scar take place. Yeah. We notice shame manifests itself with um the narrator. Because if you notice, Aang is the one that is narrating his own backstory, but it's not Zuko talking about his backstory. It's Iroh. Right. The whole time, too, there's kind of an implicit shame mm-hmm. in that, where Iroh is the one that let Zuko in the war room. Right. He's the one that allowed him to be there. And that caused Zuko to be banished and have this literal physical scar. So, like, there's definitely an, a feeling of shame guilt regret that iroh must be feeling it's not really said explicitly right but i think the writers are implicitly showing that guilt through the fact that iroh is the one defending zuko to the crewmates there is that this is the reason why he's telling his story i think another point in the episode that shows that implicit shame that iroh must be feeling as he's narrating the story is a is a really powerful moment when zuko is in the agni kai with his father mm-hmm. shout out to my boy mark hamill yes <laughs> first time we hear um ozai speak yeah mark hamill is luke skywalker for anyone who doesn't know <laughs> um anyways so we hear you know ozai being a dick <laughs> yeah um, and we see that moment where also first glimpse of Azula. Yeah, I, we're, we're, we always uh, blow our load early on the fun <laughs> facts, but we could have saved that for later. I have a fun fact about the Mark Hamill thing. Okay, later. yeah, later. But um, we see that moment when Iroh is narrating the story and he gets to the part where Ozai is about to fire blast <laughs> Zuko. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, we see Commander Zhao, we see Azula, and we see yep. him in the audience, and everyone else is, like, looking, like, yeah. yeah well, literally, I mean, literally, Zula, Azula is smiling. Yeah, yeah. We and, don't even know who she is, and she's, like, the only one just, like, yeah, we're, actually, like, <laughs> we're like oh, this kid's gonna be great when we <laughs> get introduced to her. Yeah. And Iroh, as he's telling the story, he says, I looked away, and you see him in the flashback. Yeah. Visibly look away. So you can imagine him having to, like, he couldn't even witness that when he was there. And now he has to see the physical scar on yeah. Zuko's face every single day. Yeah. And he, he, knowing Iroh, a person that nice has to have feel probably some sort of guilt for that. Yeah. He has to. Knowing knowing. Iroh's tendency to be a caring father figure. Um, you know, he he cares deeply about his nephew even mm-hmm. before that that all happened. I mean, we eventually we go more kind of deeper into their childhood, Zuko's childhood. Mm-hmm. It's just like knowing Zuko, I think that 
while yes, Zuko wears that badge of shame on his face every day, and he's very ashamed of the fact that he's an exile and that he's banished and he wants to reclaim his honor so badly. I honestly think from what we've seen from Zuko's character, his arrogance in a sense, mm-hmm. I don't think he's shameful about what he said to get him to where he no. is. I yeah, he he he's he's a proud he's proud enough. He's a proud enough person to not be regretful of what he said, but rather honestly probably regretful that he didn't fight back maybe. Maybe. I just yeah, maybe. I think that his he from what we've seen from his character so far, I'm sure he believes in his actions from that day. You yeah. know, uh, he stood up because uh, basically they were going to like sacrifice a bunch of new recruits. Yeah. And, and then also he refused to fight his father. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, the- that he has shame about that. I think he's just ashamed that he has to wear like he has to have this scar for the rest I think, of his life. I think though there's gonna there's a big difference, obviously, between season one Zuko and season three Zuko. So I think if we ask the same question, if he if Zuko season one Zuko regrets his decision, I think he does. I I think he regrets the the decision to not fight. Season one Zuko would say that. Yeah, but just I think, because of the outcome. Yeah, just because of the outcome, because just from the short term. Um, consequence of being banished Mm -hmm. but from the long term in the sense that by the end spoiler actual spoiler alert if you really care he becomes the fire lord by the end of it all obviously at that point he doesn't regret a thing he did because he knows that he was on the right moral path you know Mm -hmm. and even uh iroh telling the story he literally said he was right obviously but yeah. he shouldn't have spoken up. And, yeah. You know, so Iroh stands by everything that his nephew has done. Mm-hmm. And um, we've even seen it in the first Agni Kai with Commander Zhao. Like, Zuko showed restraint and he didn't take the final blow. Right. And that's the same restraint he showed by not wanting to fight his own father right. as a kid. Yeah. Like, So he is consistent in that respect. Yeah. And Iroh is very proud of that. Iroh showed great pride when... Uh, Zuko was the honorable one in that fight with Zhao. Right. And Zhao was the one who, you know, took the um Yeah, you know, blow. I never thought that is a very interesting juxtaposition between that fight, that Agni Kai and this Agni Kai or the the original one yeah. with Zuko getting the scar where finally in a moment where Iroh has the ability to interfere and break it up, he does because, you know, he he probably felt that same. He pro- he he felt the sense of helplessness mm-hmm. um, when he was watching Zuko get yeah. well, tortured. And, and also, it's a great testament to Zuko's character that after this Agni Kai, where he re- he shows restraint, he doesn't uh, raise a hand against his father out of respect. Mm-hmm. He gets brutalized. Yeah, banished from his home sent away on like with a boat and his uncle and that's it yeah and then the next agni kai where he's fighting someone who he truly hates yeah commander zhao is no picnic in the park any lesser any any character with less morals would have taken that final blow yeah and would have made it hurt but zuko still showed restraint and that's that's the writing that's showing you how good he is yeah inside and i think it's 
amazing. I think, you know, this episode really ties a lot of that together and we'll see a lot of it again in the next episode with the blue spirit. Mm-hmm. But this is some heavy character development for Zuko just yeah. within the first half of the first season. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he already showed some redeemable qualities in season or like episode one and two, mm-hmm. like a little bit. By not being he, the worst firebender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not but, being the meanest one. <laughs> yeah, but you could just, you could tell that there was uh, a deeper motivation behind Mm -hmm. uh, like an ulterior motive behind zuko the whole time and finally we kind of grow to realize that it comes from a place of vulnerability and um insecurity um shame hey and that's where all his anger comes from too so Mm -hmm. it's this episode for like zuko and i was just so well done yeah we should talk about ang we We should talk about ang it's it's kind of like (laughs) We, we've, we've been missing Aang. we've been missing zuko and ira yeah so. i love zuko's like backstories you know it's so fun to like zuko um, alone is my chef's kiss yeah exactly <laughs> season two it's like it's definitely zuko's the i think iconic character from an outsider obviously there's like the avatar there's ang you kind of probably know him more but if you watch the show zuko to me steals it mm-hmm. he's the kind of like poster child in my eyes he's the most dynamic character mm-hmm. the most exciting one so when 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 shit happens with zuko shit happens yeah <laughs> but this was a really heavy episode for ang as well i oh, mean yeah. 100%. seeing opening with that dream um mm-hmm. and hearing him dream about Gyatso. can we talk about giant momo <laughs> yeah, that, that was creepy <laughs> yeah very silly yeah but i mean it was a dream but then uh, it was really sad because uh, he dreamed about Gyatso and mm-hmm. him saying, we need you. We need you, Aang. Where did you go? You. Why did you disappear? <laughs> no, and then uh, Katara, we need you. We, we need, need you, Aang. It's like the, sh- the twins from The Shining. Oh, no. We ne- say it with me. We, we need, need you, you Aang. Aang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a little creepy, but sweet and touching. Reminds me <laughs> of sad. Toy Story. Oh no, you're broken. I don't want to play play. with you anymore. (laughs) And then, as we said, Aang is literally, he's already having these dreams and it's already weighing on him. It's been weighing on him since the first episode of his decision. The the third one, too. Mm -hmm. uh, The one where he finally learns that his whole people was genocided. Right. And that, um, you know the reason why he probably he became so emotional that episode is because he finally had to reckon that at least he, he believed left his people behind yeah he left his people behind and it was his fault yeah so he's already been going through these this regret and then like we said the physical storm <laughs> like mm-hmm. appears and it obviously like just triggers him back into everything um but also the damn fisherman oh yeah bitch ass <laughs> so mean but I, I mean you know it it had to have happened for this whole thing to trigger essentially because his... he does represent everyone out there who feels like the avatar has completely abandoned them and i think it's such a great idea to have that voice in here mm-hmm. where no not everybody is going to be kind of keen on the avatar they're going to not everyone's be... going to be like katara like holding out hope 
you know? Yeah, I, exactly. I'm like, one day he'll save us all <laughs> yeah, in <exactly>. return. <laughs> and it's so great to show to kids that, no, there are going to be people that don't believe in this. They yeah. are skeptical. Mm-hmm. They don't, not not that they don't care, but they They've don't believe. Hope. They don't believe in it. Yeah. And um, that's really important to realize yeah. for, for a kid to be like, there are going to be people out there that are going to be haters. They're going to uh, want to talk you down. Speaking of haters, can we talk about these asshole kids that Aang plays with? Oh, <laughs> and they one, kick him out. <laughs> one, he, Aang is the only one with arrows. So obviously he's a master playing with all these. Did he already have the arrows? He had arrows. Oh, so yeah. Why are they ousting him? <laughs> he, yeah, they were like, oh, you're, you're you're a master playing with us but but and you're that's fine we don't care that yeah. you're literally an airbending master we don't care you like taught us this technique that's you just not invented. an unfair advantage at all yeah but the minute we find out you're the avatar no that's the unfair advantage like he you know what i mean he yeah. already is an airbending master so why is he allowed to play with them as an airbending master but what's <laughs> fucked what's completely fucked is that he taught them this gang he literally taught them an entire he technique. invented the air scooter. Can you imagine excluding the inventor of basketball yeah. from playing? Oh, you you made the game, bro. You can't play. What are you talking about? Yeah, that was those kids were assholes. Yeah. Um, I love how we got a glimpse of the test, the avatar test. Oh yeah. The toys. Um, like I said, I haven't finished reading the book yet, but in um the Kyoshi book. Mm-hmm uh it it talks about the test like they're going to the earth kingdom and trying to test a bunch of different like isn't that also um where in real life um it's part of like the i think it's the reincarnation test of how they choose the dalai lama i think or they find the dalai lama yeah because um let me look it up real quick the tulku test (laughs) that's what it's called um, and it's part of the process of how they identify the Dalai Lama. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's a real thing. I mean, if you're if you're gonna, I think it's cool. I, that's another like uh, nod to how they pull from um, all of these real Asian, life examples. Real life, yeah, real life Asian culture. Um, well, I was gonna say because it's the air nomads and they are the most similar to the well, Tibetan monks. But just reincarnation of the avatar. I mean, it's not just the air nomads because that's the reincarnation of the avatar. Right. They do that for every nation that it's born. I mean, you so. can say the avatar is sort of a, another reimagining of the Dalai Lama. Yeah, that's what it's heavily based off. Right. Of, the reincarnation cycle of the so Dalai Lama. So it's super interesting how... I And that's how the airbenders do it. I'd be really interested in seeing how, like, the waterbenders find out who... No, that's the, the tool... T- like, the kid toy test is done... Oh, in, it's done every single yes. time. Yes, so there's okay. different ways. I forget the other tests that they use. There are different tests that you can do. But um, in the Kiyoshi novel, I remember, uh, I have, like I said, I haven't read it. Um, <laughs> they, but the part Halfway I did read. Halfway into season one. <laughs> I know. They they were trying to do the, t- the toy test um, uh, to a bunch of Earth Kingdom kids in a village. Mm, okay. Um, but they, like, weren't finding. Do you think, like, the South Pole and the North Pole tribes, do you think they get, like, kind of uh, competitive? Of like who has more avatars from yeah. <laughs> which side? Maybe I mean that'd prob- be funny. Probably <laughs> we don't, we know the the north. There are a bunch of goody two shoes up there. What happens if the avatar is a woman in the northern water tribe? Oh shit! 
Because I'm sure there I have been female waterbenders. There had to have been. How many? There's hundreds. There's been hundreds of them. There, oh my God. I didn't I think of that. I want a backstory of a female they, waterbender from the Northern Water Tribe. That would be good, but it wouldn't end in anything because they're still sexist by now. I know, yeah. Like, it wouldn't, <laughs> they, they, there wouldn't she be would a have res- her, resolution. She, yeah, she would overcome it, but she'd be like, fuck you all, and everyone would still be sexist. Like, Yeah, like, what the <laughs> hell? I don't understand that. There's literally an all-powerful deity that they yeah. basically <laughs> worship, anyway. and it's a woman. Like. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about the toy test because we were talking about Aang yeah. finding out that he's the Avatar and it really being a bummer for him. <laughs> yeah, super bummer. And But what's even a bigger bummer is that when he finds out the Avatar, that he when he finds out that he's the Avatar and, you know, everything changes, he's exiled from his friend group, the elder monks start to see Monk Yatsu's uh, coddling of Aang as a downside and they want to separate them yeah it's like the trigger for Aang that yeah that makes him run away yeah and he says um when he's talking to Katara he's like they they separate they wanted to separate me from everyone I love yeah and really they're he only they only show one person that is super close to him the closest and that's monk Gyatso it's really tragic because Aang ended up separating himself from everyone he loves yeah he ended up doing it to himself in in that way, then that's that's super tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but as Katara points out, and that kind of awakens him from the state of grief, it is that clears if, the storm. If Aang was still there with them, like even if he was sent away to another air temple, yeah, he would have been with the Airbenders when the Fire Nation attacked, yeah, and he would've wouldn't been. have been a fully fledged Avatar. Yeah. So he wouldn't have been able to defend his people from an entire genocide yeah. by himself. I guess they, I guess, I, I this is off topic. I'm sorry. But now that I think about it, did the Fire Nation decide to attack all like four they Earth te- or Air Sozin's Temples at the comet. same time? Yeah, they used Sozin's Comet. That's right. So they did attack them all They divided at the same like time. their forces. and. How did they not catch on to that? I don't know. Yeah. You know what? That's a really strict. Also, did they did did they have a big enough army where they were able to split it into four and attack four different temples at the same That's time? That's what I'm saying. Oh gosh. I think they did cuz well, well, they it's not that they had to have a big army because they right. had Sozin's comet. They were able they were to split powerful. them up. Yeah. So Jeez. Yeah, they, it was just a hit. It seems so OP to just have like a random thing every 100 years where it empowers the entire group. I have no idea what OP group. means. Overpowered. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Over. I mean, that's their that's their, their magic juice. Their magic it's juice. Like, but like the... It is kind of weird because like they get Sozin's Comet, which gives them like all power. And, and already, then like the, the, the waterbenders maybe get like a full moon every month. Like, yeah. that gives them a little bit of juice. Well, the Earthbenders... <laughs> the Earthbenders don't have anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it an earthquake? I don't know. Like, we already talked about this, but uh, yeah, we don't, yeah. it's dumb. We yeah, we don't know. We again. <laughs> we don't know, though. Like, it's there's nothing for them. But yeah, I mean, you know, that point that Aang would have been probably destroyed, and then what? They would have had to wait for what? a baby. No, and then what? Like they would have had to oh, wait. Oh, what? Sorry. <laughs> they they would have had to wait for a baby from the water tribe to be born and raised. 
Yeah, no, that was and, the plan. And then they would have just wiped out the waterbenders before the before like the baby was old enough to be ideally. Like, yeah, because yeah. they would have had at least like sixteen, like you know, sixteen years, twelve, twelve to 16. to sixteen years before it could be even much of a threat. You know, so if anything, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, we're lucky. Like honestly, we're lucky that Aang was happened to be a master at airbending before anything else. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it might have been possible for the. For him to not be a master by the age of 12 well even if he was still was the avatar not to brag on my girl cora but she mastered all three elements she, by, did master she mastered three. three elements by the time she was like six so is she it's like uh when you're doing I'm the avatar you gotta deal with it no it's like when you're doing your homework and you have a bunch of different classes with like homework from all these different classes so you do the homework of the classes you like first mm -hmm. and you save the homework for the class you hate last yeah. that's exactly that what Cora Cora with airbending <laughs> yeah so i mean it you know if there was if if we do believe in destiny Cora would have just been born earlier mm, if ang would have yeah, died Cora, yeah i guess so no, uh no I, I don't know actually i don't think so it would have just been i don't know I don't because know. yeah the avatar um it w she would have been different but i feel like her spirit would have been similar how about this the avatar is the avatar they're yeah. always the same but it would have been a different person right like, so maybe that person, person wouldn't have been able to master all three elements by the time she was six like cora did yeah that's that's what i'm saying right each person is different they even they though they are strength. the avatar exactly yeah so i think it's pretty lucky that ang just happened to be a master at airbending yeah all right fun fact fun fact it's not really a fact it's just me kind of telling a little anecdote um mm -hmm. so i i saw in like i read in an interview that dante basco did once uh bosco bosco dante bosco open vowels dante like a schwa i think the uh, upside down yeah. e dante bosco he was talking in an interview once about how like stoked he was to like work with Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> like when he did the scene, yeah. uh, you know, like suffering will be your teacher. Yeah. It was, he said it was trippy for him because like, he's like, Oh my God, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. I'm your father, but you're my father. Yeah. <laughs> And I just always remember that interview. <laughs> he was just doing like a reverse Star yeah, Wars. Like, like, isn't that like he he was so tripped out by like Mark Hamill being his dad. It was super exciting to have Mark Hamill involved in this project. <laughs> I think it's crazy how good of a voice actor well, Mark yeah, Hamill so he is. Was, you don't recognize like he doesn't have it, any. It does of, not sound like him at all. Yeah. He was very famous. Uh he did some very famous voice work voice work for Batman. Yeah, I was, was about the to say, Joker. He was the Joker. Yeah. Which is like one of like people I don't it's one of the I'm best not jokers a big I've yeah, heard. I'm not a big comic person, but apparently it's like one of the most I, renowned jokers. I see the meme sets where it's like best jokers and it shows like all the best yeah. ones. He's one of them and then it shows like the Jared Leto and <laughs> like towards the end. I, I we've all seen the memes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh no, so I mean that's cool. It it's just crazy how many like famous people are in the show <laughs> yeah i know they they went all out we we see another sighting of uh commander Zhao. yep when uh jason isaacs yeah well he doesn't talk but oh. he's 
I said I, I did say earlier Azula was the only one smiling, but Commander Zhao was also smirking. Yeah, that asshole. So it it's crazy how we. What did you think when you first saw uh, Azula? Did you think because you did you did you know that he had a sister yet? I did know that there is a sister. Like before I watched it, mm. I I just through osmosis of the show, I knew that there was a sister eventually. So when I did watch this episode for the first time, I noticed her. And I was like, she looks really familiar. Like, I've seen her, but I don't know exactly. And then finally, when when she came in season two, I actually went back and I made sure that that was her. And, and yeah, it's a cool detail that they decided to put in before you even they even mentioned her. So as a kid, I remember watching that scene and I immediately knew that she was like a sister like a mean sister or something oh, yeah like i got that vibe from that one still like immediately and yeah. and because they drew her she looks just like him and i could like the smirk mm-hmm. you could tell exactly who she was yeah from that you, smirk you could tell when uh also just like animators in general you can kind of tell when they're a background person or like an important or person. a character yeah. yeah and they didn't draw her in deliberately like mm-hmm. they they drew her deliberately on she was purpose, also kind of like, like holding a, a fist oh yeah right like yes yeah like like the baby me yeah like she was <laughs> she was in a pose that was very like who the hell is she, she was person? like like paying attention like she's betting on a horse and yeah. like she's watching the horse win yeah well i mean when we find out is who azula is and her kind of her backstory her backstory and her ulterior motives behind uh her brother it it explains a lot i just think it's crazy how i as a kid i just remember getting that vibe vibe, immediately so that's just like such a powerful illustration like you know uncle iroh like looking away in horror Mm -hmm. and like this little girl just like yeah you know it, it was really creepy yeah but yeah so good well, my favorite bending moment has to be, and I'm taking it, it's the lightning redirection. Oh. I know, I know. Such oh. a cool moment. And um, I totally forgot that we saw it in this this episode. Yeah, it's the first time ever we see <laughs> we see anything with lightning. I think it's funny though because they made it clumsy. Like they they made him <laughs> what like do you mean? they made him like fry himself a little oh, bit. <laughs> like yeah. he had like smoke coming off his head, <laughs> which is like I don't think that's usually how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you, Ira's a badass. In and out, it doesn't matter. Smoke on his head or not, he. Yeah, I don't. I definitely didn't see the significance of that when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's very subtle because I also didn't understand until I was like watching videos of it later, where there's lightning bending and then there's lightning redirection. Right. They're actually two separate ideas. Right. When you're doing when you're lightning bending, you're the one generating the power. You're creating that mm-hmm. yourself. Whereas lightning redirection can come from a person who is lightning bending or it can come from the elements right and it's it's a completely different technique and we're gonna find out i wrote just a whole explanation but i don't think it's fine i think it's fine we can it like, passes explain it. through your body yeah and it's and you have to direct the flow of it with yeah your and it's derived from water bending mm-hmm it's a firebending technique because we know from Iroh's a world traveler yeah and we find out Iroh is the one that invented it because mm-hmm. he's a fucking bamf I love Iroh. 
I'm getting I'm getting that Iro tattoo. The That's helmsman. It. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? That was my favorite line from this show. <laughs> the this helmsman. Episode. The helmsman. My favorite line was hot cinders. <laughs> hot cinders to Aang because he got mad, started blowing it everywhere. Um, my favorite bending moment. I guess I'll go for Aang going into the Avatar state and instead of freezing them all because they weren't in the <laughs> Arctic this time. Yeah. He did the same like air uh, globe trick. Imagine if he decided to freeze everyone. <laughs> and then they were just stuck ride in it there. Out. <laughs> yeah, ride it out another for hundred years. For another hundred years, yeah. <laughs> no, I guess what happened, he's, he is, his Avatar state did that with the air and it must have frozen because it, they were in like the Arctic. Yeah, it... It probably froze too quickly, or I don't know. I I got uh, yeah, the sense that he passed out too. Maybe like like because like the air he kept his he was still out of it, and his avatar state energy was keeping him in that air bubble protected. Yeah, and then it just froze probably. I think also he um that was the first time he was ever in the avatar state too. Probably like a, in the. I mean, there. that's definitely the first time we've ever seen. I we know of. It has to be because he had just learned he's the Avatar. So yeah. Yeah. Also, you don't think he ever like went into the Avatar state as a baby when he like wanted a cookie really bad or something. <laughs> no. I also think it was implied that he didn't do the Avatar state. It was his re- his past, like the past that's Avatars what helping that, him. That's what most of his Avatar state is until he learns how to right, control it right, it's his okay. it's his survival instinct yeah um or his rage that's always when he doesn't know how to control it and it's his past lives either coming to like protect him or like mm-hmm. his pa- his avatar energy just like bursting forward right and that's how i mean should we t- so <laughs> well so i mean ang <laughs> so ang obviously i think we've mentioned this before ang is one of the youngest avatars to die yeah uh, in Korra, I mean, and before Korra, before Korra, and the reason this is is people speculate is because when he was in the iceberg, he was constantly using his avatar energy and yeah. spirit to keep himself alive. Yeah, so it was like a hundred years, pretty much. Yeah, right. So that that all took away from his life, his life energy. Yeah, that makes sense. I I remember hearing about that somewhere. I don't remember where, but that does make a lot of sense because. Yeah. It's like keeping your phone on for a whole day. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. It's just the battery drained out. I mean, because avatars can live like 200, 300. I think Kiyoshi lived like. Is she the oldest one? Is I that think confirmed? she was. Yeah. Another she was reason like why she's a band. Yeah. Um. So obviously that just that type of spiritual exertion just yep. like took it. His, his avatar spirit was just died. <laughs> Well, you can tell we haven't talked in a, in two weeks about. Uh, well, this was a a big episode. This was a big episode. There it was, was an a important lot episode. to talk about. But next episode will be a big one too. Yeah, blue the, spirit. The blue spirit. Well, not too much because a lot of it's just buffoonery of Aang trying to get frogs for the whole episode. <laughs> that's that's actually uh, one of my favorite kind of like jokes um, when he. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. The the scene where. He, he drops his frogs. I love that scene so much. But yeah. anyway, Ooh. we will we will get out of here. We will talk to you later. Oh, let's we have to plug our Instagram. Obviously, top underscore underscore boomy. That's our cat's Instagram. Follow us on 
Instagram at Rocky Relationship. Follow us on TikTok at Rocky Relationship Pod. And um, yeah, please. Also, we don't mention this a lot, but you should follow us on Spotify. You should um, like and review us on um, yeah, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, write Podcast. a review. If you hate us, that's okay. Write a review. Yeah, just boost the algor- al- ah, algorithm. Please boost it. Um, and yeah, any final thoughts? Momo 2024? Um, fish ain't meat. Fish ain't meat. And bye. Bye.